0: .com/ slash This is your sign for details. This is your sign to print big at Staples. I right, were 3 games into the season. Pac-12 conference uh play starts tomorrow. There have been some high highs and one really low low for the Oregon Ducks. But was the BYU game indicative of what the Oregon Ducks will show for the Pac-12 season? Joining us now to talk about that and so much more from Scoop Duck, friend of the program, Joel Gunderson, back on The Big Show. Good morning, Joel. How are you?
1: Well, I'm good, but can you stop talking so I can listen to the Keenan and Kel theme songs <laughs> a little bit longer, please?
0: You are, I will, I will say this. Uh, I I will. You are one of the few guests that actually pick up the that that is one of our bit of one of our songs.
1: Uh That that showed, boy, I just that just took me back to like 1998, real quick. <laughs> so okay, we're,
0: wow, was okay. Were were you more Keenan and Kel or more Good Burger? Because like, well, I mean, I'm entities, not going to say like I same guys, seen but they're Goodberger two different entities,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. Keenan and Kell though, that was because I, you know, if, if you knew me, you knew me. I was a big Coolio fan. So when you combine him <laughs> with Keenan and Kell which at the time was like one of my favorite shows, and you look back on it, you're like, I need to reassess my life. But God, that show was so great. That, that entire Saturday night lineup on Nick of all that. And who's are you? You know, don't be afraid of the dark. And, oh, man, what a time. What a time! What was that? That
0: was Snick, right? Wasn't that what it was? It was Snick. Yes. yeah, Snick. Yes. See, I'm I'm yes. a, I'm a smidge, I'm a smidge older. Like I was a Hey, dude! Salute your shorts, guy. Um, which was uh, was a very very big deal. Melody Hansen uh, on on Hey, dude! Kind of a bit, not quite Kelly Kapowski level, but close. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like you said, what a t- what a time to be alive. When you had to, you had to kids actually today will never know. You had to actually wait for your show. Like you had to wait for Saturday to watch your show. You didn't just flip on a tablet and just everything you wanted was right there at your fingerprints. No,
1: uh, it's it's yeah. Again, we get on our, our old man high horse, but <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was so good. It was so good.
0: All right, so uh let's let's dive into uh, a little bit of, of the BYU game. I'm I just want to get it right out of the way, Joel, so we we can just we can put this baby to bed because it has been kind of hanging around this football program for a year and a month now after what we saw third quarter against BYU uh, and and again I wish the kid the best I hope he continues to practice hard and develop and get better as a quarterback but are we done finally with the Ty Thompson discussion where we done with this
1: yeah we're, we're done we're done and you know and, and Lanning said after the game or maybe it was Monday in his press conference he said you know the, the two series that he was in the the issues that took place weren't really directly on tie I mean the the ball he threw that was intercepted uh, maybe a smidge high but, but Thornton should have caught that and then you know if, if if McGee doesn't drop the pass on the first possession which goes bounces back 20 yards you know it's look, it's probably not a, you can't look at that. If you looked at that in a vacuum and thought, well, that's who Ty is, that, that's unfair, but it's very clear that, you know, it, it, part of it is the ascension of Bo Nix and being a lot better for the first three games than I think we thought he would be. And Ty just not being at that level. And and that's okay. Again, that's why you bring in a senior who has all this experience to run the offense, because if you know that you have young guys behind them that aren't ready, it gives them more of a buffer. And I had this discussion with some friends the other day because, you know, Nick's was clear when he came in. He's like, I have one, you know, I'm coming in for one year, even though he technically has two years. And you kind of wonder now, as good as things are going, like, he's not an NFL quarterback. He, he's just not. He's not big enough. He doesn't have the arm. He, he's not, you know, he, he's not going to be a guy that's going to go in and, and be a high pick. He would be probably a seventh-round pick at best, if not a practice squad guy. So you kind of have to wonder now, with with the loss to start the season, going to make the playoffs unless things just get crazy does he come look to come back next year too does he look to make that extra year if dillingham is still here uh they obviously have a great relationship then what does that do you know for ty they obviously have the, the you know the kid coming in next year dante moore so uh it, it, i'm getting i'm straying from your point no ty is not the guy right now look i'm not i'm never going to write a kid off because i think like you said if he, if he keeps developing whether it's here or whether it's at another school he, you know, you don't have those physical tools. Uh, he seems like a really good kid, so you know he's putting in the work. Like at some point, it's going to click. Maybe it's not till 2024, and it's at Northern Arizona or something. But at some point, when when you're his size and you have that arm, you're going to get a chance. And I, you know, I just I hope for his sake that he sticks it out here because I think it's really good. You need to have the depth because we saw the we saw how Nick likes to play. I mean, he, he's going to take some shots. He's going to take some hits. So, you know, it's good that Lanning gave him that shot in the third quarter. I was, the, the, I was one of the people that was very happy to see it happen. I know the, some of the reaction was, wow, this is maybe a little bit too early in the game. I love it. Put him in there when the game's still a little bit in doubt and, and give him some pressure moments, knowing that you have a buffer of a lead and you can bring back the starters if need be. You know, that that didn't kill... Thompson's confidence I can't imagine Because like I said the the throws that he made Were fine it's just he kind of ran into Some bad luck so you got him a little Bit more experience and and you can just keep Doing that if they can find moments Throughout the season in closer games To get him in there and get him some reps I I think it's a win-win situation
0: Um, And you're probably uh, More Correct on that I am uh, I'm emotional I go by vibes Joel you know I'm, I'm not a tactician I go with my gut and my vibes and uh, I, I was I was greedy. I was a greedy fan at that point in time. I I saw a team that Oregon could blow out and and maybe put to rest all that nonsense, which probably never going to happen with the Georgia stuff. And and I was I, I was greedy and I was frustrated. I I thought it was too early. Right. But then again, like I said, I'm emotional and I'm greedy.
1: Well, and I look. I'm, trust me, I wanted that thing to end 48 to seven too. Don't get me wrong. And and I think you know putting in, I mean, they, they played so many guys on defense. There were second, third string as well, which again, maybe it made the score look a little bit less than, than stellar on Saturday, but it could play real big dividends down the road. And, you know, if, if God forbid Knicks has to sit out even a quarter later in the season, yeah. cause he gets dinged up or something games like, like this past weekend Ty is going to go in there and maybe his, his nerve level is a six instead of an eight. That could be a big difference. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's easy to look either way and say, well, they should have blown him out and, and kept the foot on the gas. I think they kept the foot on the gas in the sense that they, they kept running the same plays that the playbook didn't look like it changed. It just happened to be a different guy running, running the show. But uh, you know, I think overall, I mean, it's very hard. I mean, look at what we're nitpicking I know. about what happened <laughs> last Saturday. That was, yeah, I was on with, I was on with Chad yesterday and Dwight. And, and I said, it, so there's so many things you can take away from that game but to me the the drive to end the first half where they took 5 minutes the last basically the last 5 minutes off the clock punched it in with 20 seconds left i looked at my dad at that time we were sitting we were 20 rows behind the Oregon bench and i said he sold me that's it that, lanning could do no wrong as far as i'm <laughs> concerned because his ability to manage a game manage the clock and, and i'm giving lanning the, the the credit i mean it's as much dillingham probably as is lanning that was so masterful and maybe it was amplified because of what we've had to sit through for the last four years where we watched a coach literally call a timeout on the first play of the game. Cause they weren't ready. I mean, it was just BYU. Are they overrated? Who knows? That's still a good team. They're going to win 10 games probably, but man, the way they went out and just controlled that thing from the opening kick, the way they bounced back when BYU scored to make it 10 seven, they went right down the field and scored again, closed out the first half started the second half strong. I mean, Everything about that game felt like it was the antithesis of what we saw against Georgia. And it showed how much progress they have made from weeks one to three. and makes me very excited going forward.
0: Joel Gunderson, Scoop Doc, joining us here on 620 Rip City Radio. Joel Gunderson. From Scoop Dog. Your name is not Joel Gunderson Scoop Dog. I didn't do a Tim <laughs> Apple right there, real quick. I
1: realized I said that. Objective birth certificate, but I don't. Yeah, I said
0: it a look. little bit fast. Uh, but uh, one more thing on, on the BYU game, because uh, I think one of the other, the other positives, the strength of this Oregon, look, quarterbacks get all the attention. I'm as guilty as anybody of being obsessed with a quarterback play. But the strength of this Oregon team, we were sold, was going to be. It's offensive line, and it's run-stopping ability. And after Georgia, there's a lot of people going, oh, boy. And then you see what Georgia did to South Carolina. You see what Georgia's going to do to everybody the rest of the year. And then you watch this game. And I thought, obviously, against Eastern Washington, that was a team that just didn't have the ability to to fight back. BYU does. BYU, uh, they want to play physical. They want to play at the line of scrimmage. And I thought, for the first time this season, you saw that, that bill of goods that we were all kind of sold of this offensive line and the run-stopping ability of the defense.
1: It's so funny because, and again, I, I'm going to try to, one of these weeks I'm going to come on and not talk about the previous staff. But, <laughs> so we, you know, we, we, we saw, you know, Mario was, it was, he was obviously an offensive line guy. That's where his passion was. And Adrian Glenn comes in this year as the new offensive line coach, and he has a reputation as a recruiter. But people were skeptical about his ability to, to coach because he was at Pittsburgh last year and their offensive line was horrendous. You can't tell me that our offensive line right now is not, doesn't look better than it had a very long time. Against Georgia, they, 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 some of the stats that came out of that Georgia game for what Oregon's run, run offense did against that defense compared to the last like three years of Georgia opponents, Oregon was more successful than almost every other opponent on the ground that they've played in the last like three or four years. Uh, they completely dominated up front against BYU. I mean, I can't I can, can't even think off the top of my head of a play that was blown up behind the line of scrimmage where you think, or maybe you know, if, if they have this year, it's been because they've been trying to do like some kind of a jet sweep or something and the teams have read it. But when they're running north and south, they are just absolutely mauling people. And it's when you factor that in, and then you see that they're bringing in like three or four guys off the bench and rotating through on that offensive line, it's not just the five starters and then they pull them out and you're hanging on for dear life when the guys come in. I mean, when you when you have guys like Dawson Jaramillo and Josh Connerly and Jackson Powers coming off the bench and then Marcus Harper starting now, who we thought was going to be a guy that wasn't going to be ready until next year. I mean, not only is it exciting for what's happening now, but I know, you know, in the back of the staff's mind, they're thinking, well, we have to look ahead a little bit to next year because we can't go into next season with these guys having sat on the bench for two years and they look like they're going to be just hit, ready to hit the ground running next year as well. So I could not be more impressed with what Adrian Clem has done with that with that line. They are as cohesive and dominant a unit as we've had in a long time. I think you he, he talked about Oregon's run defense. They look stout. I mean, and, and they have to be. And and um, we have someone that works at Scoop Duck, he, he goes by the moniker of QB11, and his dad was an NFL scout for years, and, and he does a lot of scouting, and, and he has a great podcast if you have a chance to listen to it. And he talked about how Oregon's uh you know defensive line is like eight or nine deep, but he even points out that, you know, a guy like Ben Roberts, who's a true freshman, has come in and he goes, He looks like a man amongst boys when he comes out there. And, you know, he's not gonna play more than probably fifty or sixty snaps this year in garbage time, but you're seeing already the impact that Lanning and Tosh and those guys have on defense. And it was so easy after game one to think you know, we, we Lanning was supposed to come in as this defensive guru. What happened? Well, again, we talked about it. What happened was they played an NFL light team. I mean, that Georgia is as close to an NFL team as you're ever going to see in the college ranks. And Oregon got smacked around. But now they're playing teams that are at their level or a little below, and they're starting to dominate. And what that's going to do is, again, they're just going to keep piling up reps, piling up reps, whether it's a senior or a freshman or somewhere in between. These guys are going to keep getting better and learning that system. And that's why I say by, by week seven, week eight, that's when we're going to start to have a much better idea of what this defense really could look like. But to slow down that BYU team the way they did, that was imp- as impressive to me as even holding, you know, I, I thought it was really impressive to hold Eastern Washington to what they did because that's such a, even an FCS team, you know, their, their identities, their offense and Oregon shut them down. BYU's identity is toughness, but they have a very, very good offense. Jaron Hall is an NFL quarterback, and and they had him under control the entire day. It was it was as good and complete a game as we've seen from this team against a good program in a long time.
0: Joel Gunderson joining us here on six twenty Rip City Radio, Oregon, heading to uh uh to Washington State. Tomorrow, one o'clock kickoff. So, Joel, again, kind of going back to my uh it's half tongue-in-cheek, but it's half serious, too. I'm just going with vibes. Um, I, I'm not a cosmic guy. I am a you know, two-feet-firmly-planted-in-the-ground type of guy. But every once in a while, like I think uniforms and some stadiums are kind of magic. There's just something about mm-hmm. certain stadiums. And Martin Stadium, just something about that place. And, and I, I know that Oregon's been able to go in there and get wins in the past. And there's been a couple of big wins. But just something about that place that just... Anytime Oregon goes to Pullman, I get an uneasy feeling in my gut. And it just it seems like Austin is the toughest place to play in all of uh, the Pac 12. I think Martin Stadium is the second toughest with the how tough it is to get there. Um the fan base is gonna be it's a one o'clock game. They're gonna be tuned up by eight thirty. Uh and I do think there is something different about a fan base when they have some confidence in their team, and Washington State fans feel like they got a pretty good squad.
1: Oh yeah, no. I trust me. I, I feel more comfortable going into the horseshoe in Columbus playing than I do at Martin Stadium. I mean, it's just it is. It's one of those. Stu- and it, it almost seems like the worse Washington State is, the, the the more uneasy I feel. So uh, that's obviously not the case this year. I mean, one of those things where their fan base, uh, you know. So the last time Oregon played there with fans in the stands was 2018, and that was the, it. Oh, you awesome. know, it was just a disaster. It was it was the hangover effect from from beating Washington the week before. New I can't even think of their quarterback's name but off the top of my head. Now, I'm totally drawing a blank that they had that was just, you know, took over the, the country. Gardner Minshew. But it, Gardner, yeah, Gardner, yeah. So, I mean, that was such a weird um, culmination of things. I mean, that fan base, they hadn't, you know, they hadn't had a lot to get excited about in, in a long time. And so that was, like, that was the tip of the you know, like the top of the mountain for them. They had game day there. everything That one felt a lot like, actually, Utah did last year, where – I remember when Oregon, you know, when when the broadcast started for the Utah game last year, I I, I thought, oh, it, it's over. It, 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 they don't even have a chance. I mean, they showed they they did a pan of the stadium, and I'm like, oh, we're, yeah, it, it ain't happening tonight. And you got that feeling in 2018 too, where when they went to Wazoo with game day and Minshew and everything, and, and that offense that we could not figure out anyways under Leach, and it was just like, it, it ain't happening. This year feels a little bit different in the sense that Washington State doesn't have that typical Cougar offense. Not that they don't have the potential to, but they, they haven't really shown it for the first three games and I think Oregon's offense this is the first time we've really had the confidence in a long time that they could go, and that offense can travel with them because what they're doing is they they're you know we just talked about it they're doing it on the ground. Nicks is not having to beat teams through the air and going down the field a bunch you know his ability to find his tight end, find Troy Franklin outside, you know, get Chris Hudson more involved with his speed. I think Oregon's offense can travel to Martin Stadium where it hasn't been able to in the past because at the, at the very least, they can rely on that offensive line. And as good as Washington State's defense has been, they played Idaho. Played I can't think now where they went to. I, Justin, you got me all fired up this morning. I can't even. Ah. My brain dropped
0: out of my well, brain. They, they, out of my they, head. They, they won 17-14 at Wisconsin, and they blew out Colorado State. Yes. Colorado. State, that's right. Yeah. So the, obviously the Wisconsin game stands out, and and if you can slow
1: down Wisconsin's running game, that that's about you know that's as good as you can do. But there's just something that feels different about this year, and I'm trying not to get over over my over my skis here and, and get too ahead of myself. But I, it, to me, it all goes back to Dan Lanning, and and there's something about him. We saw it in the Eastern Washington game where he didn't let his foot off the gas, and, and they end up putting the seventy burger up last week. Even though he put in tie, he brought Nick's right back in, and they kept their foot down. Again, he comes from from a, a coaching tree of Saban and Smart, where those guys don't let bat, let teams that are not as good or better beat them. And as good as Washington State is, look, they're not as good as Oregon from a talent perspective. Anything you know, Oregon should go in and win by fourteen to, to, to seventeen points if you just look at the talent. And that's where he comes from. Uh, this background of We saw it last week with Georgia. South Carolina is not as good as Georgia, and they went in and absolutely destroyed them on the road. That game was over in the second quarter. And not that Oregon's there yet to go into Washington State and have the game be over that early. But he's not going to be satisfied with a 27-21 win, and that's just not how he's cut. And that's, to me, the difference. And, And you factor in Oregon's talent, their ability to control up front, and then his philosophy, Landing's philosophy of, no, we go in and we win by 25 points because that's what we do because we're the better team. I think that's what's been missing over for Oregon for a very long time, since Chip, really. I mean, Helperts didn't have it. We didn't see enough, enough from Taggart. Mario didn't have it. That, 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 that Like, no, we're the better team. We're going to put it up on the scoreboard. And when people check the scoreboard the next morning, they're going to see, oh, yeah, Oregon was the better team. And I think landing has that. So then, that, that, that gives me a little bit of a different feeling. That being said, camera starts tomorrow panning the stadium, and it's going crazy. I might feel a little bit different. But as of right now, I, just, I look at the way Oregon's starting to round into form. They don't seem like there's not a lot of chatter about them nationally, which is great. I like it that way. That, that loss to Georgia, if it did anything, it removed any pressure they have the rest of the season. Now they can just go out and get better and better each week. And this is a great first test. To open conference play then you have a couple cupcakes afterwards even though arizona's kind of been the same thing of like god every time you go there it just freaks me out but you have two games after that you, you should win so oregon could be really looking at a six and one start here if they play their cards right and i think if they just don't get ahead of themselves tomorrow let the talent take over i really don't think they should have a problem by the end of the game
0: Joel Gunderson, you can read his stuff at Scoop Duck and you can hear him from time to time on uh on this fine program. Joel, hey, thanks so much for the time. Uh enjoy your uh football Saturday. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon, buddy.
1: You too. And hey, one thing
0: the fans need to remember tomorrow.
1: Eggs, breakfast, go whoop
0: ass. There you go. Eggs, breakfast, go whoop some. You know what? All right. Don't Joel. It, and if they don't get the reference, then I can't help you. Yeah, so. I, yeah. It's, yeah. There's bunch of Johnny-come-latelys who are screaming Duck Nation and Scow Ducks. It's those people. Like, that's the problem.
1: You have to watch the coaches show on Wednesday night with Jerry Allen. You have to watch it. You learn this kind of stuff.
0: It's just nice to have a coach that actually wants to do one again. That's that's fascinating. Exactly, yes. How Thank about you. that? <laughs> All right. We're, <laughs> yes. we're going to get off on a very big tangent. Joel, thanks so much, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, bud. Thank there you, you go. All right.